Welcome to the Queer Arabs Podcast. This is Alia. This is Nadia. Can you introduce yourself? We have a guest. Hi, my name is Tasneem. Hello, salam, bonjour. How are you guys doing? So, hey. um, and can you tell everyone where you are right now? I'm in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, coming huh. to you live, the <laughs> Queer Arabs Podcast. <laughs> yes. How, how are you liking living there? I know it's pretty recent. You know what? It's actually, I've got to say, you guys, it's pretty beautiful here. It's, it, I mean, there are a lot of people, I think, in the United States and are are certainly like, oh, Canada is so much better. And like, I find that a lot and it's not necessarily true. There are a lot of things here that are really still sort of really damaging to our psyches and the way we think. And there's a lot of racism and anti-Blackness and Islamophobia and xenophobia. Like, there's so much, but there are a few things that do make it like my parents live around the corner from the Aga Khan Museum. Just the fact that there is an Aga Khan Museum in Toronto or the fact that there are the, the population, like my parents' neighbors is also like tons of Somalis, lots of Muslims, lots of Arabs, lots of uh, people from the Asian diaspora. So it's just like, even it's, it's kind of like, I call it, I used to call it New York light. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, I've yeah. I've been wanting to visit Toronto for a long time. I've heard really good Me things. Me too. Um, we talked to a lot of people in Toronto, yeah. actually, um, yeah. which oh, makes wait. sense. Yeah, so... Yeah, I feel like... But I, I do get what you're saying, though, about, like, Americans over, like, glorifying Canada, especially on the racism point. Like, people think that, oh, yeah. Americans are racist, Canada's not racist. And it's like, no, I mean, well, first, they're both, like, settler colonialist countries, A. Um, right. And be like, no, everywhere has issues with racism. But I think there are some things about like, this is going to be the most basic explanation ever. But I, I feel like because there's just not as many people, there's not as much xenophobia. Yeah, <laughs> you know, true. like, there's just more space to take people. And that true that story. changes the dynamic. Absolutely. I, Nadia, I think you're on point with that. And, um, you know, the same thing with this, like post COVID vaccine kind of like, there's less people here. So there's almost like less, I don't want to call it like extreme racial violence or extreme xenophobia, but I see it. It's random, like, and it's almost like more towards like visible Muslims and visible like women with hijab. Like I've seen a couple incidences on the train where I've had to sort of speak up or, or ask someone, are you okay? Or is everything good? You know? Um, but I definitely in, like I lived before in Los Angeles, nightmare, in my humble opinion. It's very xenophobic, very racist, very, like it's just difficult to navigate Los Angeles as a community. But I think like Toronto, I'm finding that it's easier to navigate, especially also as a non-binary person, as a queer person, as a Muslim person, as a person of color, my mom is uh, black and South Asian. So like having being biracial or mixed ethnicity, like there's so much of that here. And I think in Toronto also like the artist community, the, the nonprofit community, like other communities are really interested in amplifying voices that are marginalized or voices that are not as heard. Like they're really on it, I got to say. Well, that's good. Yeah, that's good yeah. to hear. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, what uh, what made you move to Toronto when you did? I think a combination of a lot of things, but 
I was getting really tired of Los Angeles and this sort of, I wasn't achieving things creatively that I want to do. I'm a musician and a multidisciplinary artist and um, so writing and some filmmaking and certainly music, songwriting, performing, um, recording. And I just wasn't finding like, there's a community of people there that I love and appreciate and, you know, connected with. I lived there for 11 years almost. But when I came here, there was a community of people that were like, wow, like they were really into what I was doing. And I didn't find that in Los Angeles. I found that people were like, oh, whatever, cool, do your thing. Yeah, I just feel like everybody's trying to do it. But in Toronto, it's similar. Before I moved to Los Angeles, I lived in New York. In the the way in which I, I feel in Toronto is similar to that way in New York where I was really embraced and people loved what I was doing and people were inspired by me. And that's like, ultimately, I think that's part of an artist's journey. Like you have you, you have to feel loved by, by people. Like people have to be like consuming your art or, 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 or telling you you're great. Like some of the, sometimes some little comment on YouTube or something keeps me going. Somebody recently commented on YouTube to Sneem, you're so awkward. I've been, I've been loving your style since 2005. <laughs> like that was like crazy. Yeah. I was like, what? Like, a yeah, huge compliment. That, oh, it was so amazing. And it, it really touched me. And it was kind of also like, to name you're so awkward. I was like, yes, somebody <laughs> sees me. Yeah. You know? You're like, so, I own it. Great when you're just acknowledged for just being what you are, even if it's being awkward. Like, I love that. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. Do you want to talk about like your music style? Um, kind of give, give listeners a, a sense of, I guess, what you focus on, what, and also the style. I think that what, I love about my own music so so particularly is that it's really third culture kid music it's really child of immigrant music and it's really like this these songs really speak to my up like my upbringing and my coming up and what I came up on you know like a lot of music of the 90s and early 2000s and a lot of it like alternative rock but also a lot of like hip-hop and influence of of that but also this coming from this space of like growing growing up in like predominantly white spaces and going to predominantly white institutions and being a child of immigrants like my parents are uh, my dad is a professor of religion and my mom is a librarian you know what I mean like I came up like I came up in predominantly white institutions and I have a lot of privilege that I understand you know I, I come from that a very lot of educational a lot of a strong education background but I feel like a lot of times songwriters that are you know, either just like American or they, 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 their music, my music sounds different than theirs, even though we came up in the same, we're both American, we're both, but I have this like different lens and which I yeah. see the world kind of, or, and which I grew up really as a teenager, as a, you know, a person running and ripping those streets in New York City when I was yeah. going to college and thereafter. And you know what I mean? The way I experience things is different. And I think it's really sad to me. <laughs> Actually, I was talking about this with my cousin, who's Jamani is his name. Shout out to Jamani, my cousin. Jamani. Hey, he, he's 17 and he's a new artist. He's 
incredible. And he and I were talking about the kind of different kinds of music we miss and how a lot of people are emulating Black music and how we kind of lose all these other ways in which people see because they're so busy trying to do what sells or they're so busy trying to do what everyone thinks sounds good or they're so and I'm like what happened to the like I know it's it's gonna sound so basic and some people on this podcast are gonna be like I'm stopping not I'm not listening (laughs) like I miss these like I know it's it's I'm gonna say it say it it. say it do it I'm saying I miss white music okay I miss like the John Mayers and the Dave Matthews bands (laughs) and the like I miss those people I miss those Sarah McLaughlin's and like Paula Cole like how incredible was Paula Cole she took a Grammy award she didn't shave her pits and like she was ostracized by the music industry like I just miss these people who sung and performed from their their experience wholly and I think that's what my music is about that was a long answer to your question I feel like it reminds me of like slightly different genre but I saw this meme of like why are white people trying to appropriate everyone else's culture we need them to just like do drugs and make music. Where's the next like MGMT? <laughs> yeah, like not for nothing. Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. Well, where? Where? What's yeah. up with them? Yeah. Yeah. What's up with them right now? I don't know, I but know. I listen to rumors all the time, and it's yeah. a very old record. Yeah. Everything you just said like comes through in your music, and also it ties into that comment that you got where it was like you're so awkward but in the best way you know and through your music you're describing kind of like being that in an awkwardly like being placed in this like setting where there is something awkward about that yeah like (laughs) I, I, I say this in the like the best way possible like I feel like it has this just sense of like adolescence um, and I, I've also really been interested in this, just this idea of like adolescence or prolonged adolescence in um, things I've been making. And I think mm-hmm. what it is, it's like this idea of in-betweenness or trying to figure out your place. Um, also, also rebellion and how I think so, for some people like that never ends. And that's a good thing because how boring is it to know exactly what your place is and feel like you're totally grown and totally finished yeah. as a person. Or like to, how boring is it to like accept everything that's going on and just be like okay (laughs) everything's fine but you're just like no we need to keep pushing back um and that comes through in that yeah uh, the track all your cousins oh yeah can we talk about that one yeah Um, yeah yes let's talk about all your cousins when did when did you make that uh i made that actually about a year before i recorded it so i recorded everything in like 2018 2019 and interestingly enough all your cousins, I'm like, oh, the tea is getting spilled on the like Muslim Arab connection of all your cousins, an immigrant yeah. connection of all your cousins. Like, so the song, I, I, t- I talk about it generally, but now that I'm on the Queer Hours podcast, I'm going to really lay it down. But I talk about it generally when I talk about it and people are like, what is it about? Or it's so, yeah, it's so awkward. It's so weird. Like all your cousins, what? Um, And I was like, well, it started out as a love song, but then it turned into a revolutionary song. So that's kind of like the general thing I tell people. But the real, the real, the the non-general, the specific thing is that um, I kind of, I had fallen in love with a Muslim woman, another Muslim woman. And the idea of connecting with someone of your faith and culture who 
and then also connecting with their family and meeting their cousins and like meeting their like extended family and being part of their family like that idea to me birthed this song and then of course it turned into this like revolutionary thing but I think it was the it was you know now probably about like four or five years ago because the song then took shape and had to come out but it was the first time I really actually ever felt that. I was like, oh my gosh, like I will meet all your cousins. I'll connect with you. And I don't know that I had really thought about it before. And I'm wondering kind of if the xenophobia, if the Islamophobia, if this whole, like, I hate to say his name, but like if this whole 4045 era, like birthed this desire for me to connect further with my culture and community and Mm -hmm fall in love with people who who could really understand me I, I don't know not that I have never fallen in love with someone of a similar faith and culture before but like I'm a I'm a person with a mixed background so that's kind of really difficult to like pinpoint yeah. the like exact m- mix or totally, yeah. I mean I don't know people but I think as queer people we kind of also are like well we fall in love with who we fall in love with and that's what it is right yeah. Yeah. No, okay, well, I, I think we should talk in a second more about, like, being mixed and cultural background, um, but first off, I just, I think just the, like, we're gonna find all your cousins thing, that just, like, resonates, like, the idea, <laughs> first of all, that the idea you have to, like, find the cousins, like, there's so many cousins, you need to go out looking for them, um, and then, uh, it's, it also, it's, like, kind of utopic, like, I think sometimes, like, that's a scary prospect, I think, for a lot of us queer people like the idea that you would get intertwined in another familial web um you know like that's yeah. scary um and the the fact that like that's no we're gonna go out and do it it's like this kind of idea of a better world yeah. um like we're finding yeah. all the cousins and we're like tearing down the system <laughs> yeah yes. and like Definitely. and also just like putting a lot of trust and uh, just putting a lot of trust or like faith in a relationship right like it's you know this like is, this is the one this, this is, is worth it yeah. this is worth taking a chance um and to and like doing something so intimidating uh like meet a whole a huge family or like get integrated into another family so yeah 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 um, it's intense i think like yeah i think there's a point it's so interesting that you talk about like prolonged adolescence i think too is like the this person that I, I I know I struggle and maybe some of the audience listening can identify or not but I know I struggle with like just growing up and like growing older and like becoming you know a person like I'm not a kid anymore obviously but like you know growing up and having responsibilities and getting into relationships and having more like uh, what do they say like ha- hashtag adulting yeah like whatever whatever but you know do you know what I mean like I struggle with I don't know what I was gonna say let me try to reel it back but yeah I I struggle with that and so I think the idea of like me getting what you were talking about with like the familial webs and like connecting with people that's kind of daunting and scary I thought it was a really interesting thing to write about too it just came out like most of my songwriting is like that like I just I'm like oop like there it is so it wasn't like something I planned or or I was like I need to write about like 
the familial intimacy when you you know yeah yeah to someone from your culture like I was like okay I really want to connect with this person from my culture and this is the art that came out because of that emotion that. Yeah. vomit <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I love that phrase <laughs> how did you get started making music oh my goodness I started playing the saxophone when I was nine years old oh I loved that you incorporated saxophone in your video and I mean, yeah. and, and the track, obviously, but like, I love that it, there's a shot of you playing it. Cool. Yeah, actually, so funny. My friend, she's a, a composer and uh, you should actually have her on this show. Donya Jarrar. She's a Palestinian Egyptian, amazing, Ooh, uh, from cool. L.A. and um, a composer. And uh, she was like, I did not know. She like posted something. She was like, I didn't know you played the sax. And I was like, whoa, that's my first that was my like foray into music. It was, yeah. Um, yeah, I was really obsessed with Sade as a like a young preteen. Oh, cool. Yeah, and then I met Sade's um, saxophone player when oh. I was yeah what, my first year at NYU. I I went to the bar. There used to be a bar on Third Street next to the McDonald's across from the across from the cage. There was a bar oh, called. The- black pussycat and oh, michelle yeah, yeah michelle and degachella was playing there and i was a freshman in at in studying oh saxophone and i went to the show because i was like what she's gonna be playing at this amazing small like intimate and also then she wasn't I, well whatever she's she's amazing and i turned around at the bar and there was like Stuart Matthewman who is shot a saxophone player and i was my jaw dropped and i was like oh my god you're Stuart Matheman. And he was like, what? And I was like, you're Stuart Matheman. He was like, how do you know me? How do you know who I am? Like everyone knows who Sade is. No one knows who I am. And I was like, you're the reason I play music. And then we've oh, been friends. Yeah, yeah. And we've been friends ever since. He's been my mentor actually on this, all your cousins uh, on this EP. I, I definitely reached oh. out to him. He was like, talk to me about the mixing. Cause I was listening to a lot of things that I liked the sound of yeah. the mixing. And I was listening to a lot of Sade because I was like, oh, this is what I want this EP to sound like. This is, you know. And so I reached out to him and asked him a lot. So he was like, so he he helped me he's an incredible person yeah Aww. and and also Sade's I mean come on I can't uh I I love that I love that interaction that you just described like oh yeah and and that it just yeah and that it's formed into such a long-lasting um bond it's um, pretty I love that story also yeah. and he told actually I'm gonna drop a little story any Sade lovers out there he told me that Sade um posted in the newspaper in London looking for a fashionable saxophone player and he, <laughs> and he responded to the ad oh my god isn't that so cool yes. yeah a little Sade trivia from me thank you <laughs> it's funny how small things can start you know yeah does he have yeah. a really does he have like a bold um fashion or like style he has a style like he he's he's a stylish man which yeah i mean i love stylish men like if you're gonna if you're gonna be born into this world as a man <laughs> be stylish the least you can do yeah. <laughs> if you're gonna I, I, if you're gonna be a man be stylish i yeah. like that yeah yeah yeah, fair. And if, you're gonna, yeah. 
I think that's just like the bare minimum. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know. Was that weird, awkward gender? I don't know. I'm so, I, apologize. I apologize in advance to anyone if I uh, uh, misread the room, misread the podcast, or I'm offending anyone. It felt right, right to me. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, I, I, I'm going to be canceled by the queer Arab world. No, I'm I'm there with you. I'm like, okay, you're born as a if you're like born and grow up as a cis male, like you can contribute to the world in some, like, <laughs> some way. It's okay. It's okay it's to okay. be a cisgender man as long as it's okay, it's okay to be a stylish yes, cisgender man. Some style. Yeah. Uh, he, Stuart definitely gives style, and I think it it also like contri- contributes to the music, like. Um, you know, their music is also really stylish. Like, nice. I think, yeah. yeah, I think Sade clearly knew what, what she wanted in life. And also Sade is very cool. Sade has a, a trans son. Oh, and, oh um, cool. cool. Yeah, 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 it's really, she's, she's just a human being that I put on a, maybe a pedestal in the world, but I feel like she deserves that pedestal. <laughs> it sounds like it. I mean, and it sounds like, at least for you, I mean, that's what made you even enter the world of music, and that's huge. Yeah. Um, what about what about you all? Uh, your your specific art. Was there any uh, specific person or art that fueled you to begin to create? Okay, so I I grew up playing I grew up playing violin, but um, it was through the started with the like Suzuki method, all which I. I definitely think I got a lot out of that method and then um, played classically throughout life. Um, but I think more recently I'm, I've realized just how creatively limited that can be. Um, so I've just mm-hmm. started to explore new ways of making music, um, like oh. very like actually making music and like creating my own thing. And that's, that's just something that that took me a while to even like, arrive at that desire to do that. Because before it was like, you know, go through the like standard repertoire that you are supposed to learn as a violinist. Someone I really like, I'll shout out her name is Galen Lee. And she is a violinist who like incorporates vocals and like, a loop pedal, shout out loop pedals. (laughs) I just started trying that out. Um, so that's someone who's been pretty inspirational to me, like very lately to, um, in like how I want to engage in music moving forward. Cool. Yeah. I'm like really struggling to like pinpoint a specific, um, person or influence. Um, so I'm a dancer and choreographer. Um, and I could name, I mean, of course, like I've been influenced by people I've seen and studied with and all that. Um, I can't say I could name like someone who was like, this is why I need to be making work. But I guess uh, sometimes um, some of the directions I've taken as a choreographer have been a little less inspired by other choreographers and more inspired by um, other art forms. Specifically, I think working a lot with like musicians and visual artists sometimes. Like translating this is weird, but I've been like really interested in the ways that uh, electronic music can just like take, can sample things and take different influences and make them make sense together um so i think that's been just like an idea i keep chewing on um in my choreography like what does this 
how can you sample things and take things that don't people don't necessarily think make sense together and present them in a new way that means they do make sense together um uh, but I think in, if I were to name just some choreographers right now who are on my mind who I find really inspiring, um, I'd say uh, a very huge deal, but Sidi Larby Sherkawi, um, because of the way he just operates in so many different genres and contexts and is able to, like, I, th- I think can, can make s- like smart choices and has a sensibility that isn't defined by the genre. Like he can make work on a ballet company or do things for Beyonce or be creating mm-hmm. like independent dance films. And it's still just the same and working with like a, di- a lot of different genres and um, movement styles in a way that I-, I think uses influences in a way that aren't like appropriative, but are really genuine. Um, and that's also something I've been just thinking about and working with. Um, also, um, Omari Wiles, uh, who I think kind of similar to what I was talking about with like electronic music, it does a really good job at like showing the connections between different things and different genres uh, through like rhythm. Um, so he works with different like um, Afro diasporic forms, but going from like West African dance to like uh, voguing and house um, and just I think like through movement vocabulary really like shows how those things are inherently uh, connected. That was a really long uh, <laughs> response. I didn't really answer the question, um, but yeah, that's that. That's yeah, yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I feel honored to be on this chat. chat <laughs> yeah, same. Well, that's cool. Um, should we back up a little bit? Um, do you want to talk a little more sure. about your um, your personal background and your uh, multicultural upbringing and um did you grow up in new york or where did you grow up i grew up in oklahoma oh wow okay <laughs> oh, okay that's where my mom's from <laughs> what? yeah uh, wow. yeah um my parent my my both my parents are from africa my uh my dad were muslim i'm practicing muslim and yeah it is what it is um <laughs> i'm grateful and uh and our practicing queer Muslim, we exist, and um, we deserve to take up space in the mosque and elsewhere. My mom and dad are both from uh, East Africa. My dad is from Mombasa, mm-hmm. and his dad is from Zanzibar. His family is from Zanzibar, and there's a lot of uh, well, his family is, I guess, um, the, the Swahili coast, which is like Arab and. Uh, uh, African and also South Asian and yeah. very mixed up and um, but my dad is predominantly South Asian from Mombasa mm-hmm. and my mom is black and South Asian from Uganda um, and they met in college and decided to uh, come to Canada and um, oh, then their, my dad's first job as a professor was in the United States at Oklahoma State University in Stillwater, Oklahoma, where I grew up. Oh, got you. Okay. Which was like actually, <laughs> like you all, this is, uh, yeah, it was actually pretty painful. Like, yeah, I remember, I just remember, my name is Tasneem, and people, and we were talking about names a little early before we hit record, and I just remember like, I think a lot of my identity growing up was shaped by people call, like making my name Taz 
and like making it into the Tasmanian devil. I think I like developed that personality in my earlier years. Like I, I don't attribute myself to that character, to that yeah. Like, yeah. cartoon character. First of all, it's yeah. a cartoon character. But right. second of all, I don't, I don't even attribute myself to that energy, energy that like the Tasmanian devil is like, it's wild, crazy. And, and yeah. people, I don't really talk about this a lot. It's really cool. And people really like, I think couldn't say Tasmin. In fact, I think most people who know, know me like before, like there aren't too many people in my life, I guess that would know me like before 25, because I moved my, my, my dad moved every, we probably moved like every 10 years. He would okay. have a, a mm-hmm. jump in a, in a, so I've lived in um, Oklahoma and then we lived, I lived in some horrible, horrible places where these academic institutions were <laughs> Florida. Um, yeah, and then, yeah. I went, and then by the time I was 15, I went to boarding school. So that was like okay. in the middle of middle of nowhere, Massachusetts. Where did you, you okay. grow up? Both of you. I grew up kind of all over, like we were in Kansas, Iowa, then Japan for a few years and then Minnesota. Um, so kind of all over the Midwest with like a brief, a few years in Japan randomly. <laughs> so and yeah. I, yeah. Um, I mostly grew up in North Carolina um, and then uh, my parents moved to California when I was in high school and then I came to New York for college. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, places. <laughs> I also, after boarding school, like, I was like, how quickly can I get to New York? And I was talking to a friend the other day about it. And I was like, I think like, I don't know, and maybe it is if like for people who know that they're queer when they're teens or even younger than that, I yeah. feel like maybe New York is like this idea, like right. I, can I can be gay in New York. Because <laughs> that's what TV shows you. And like, like yeah. and I was looking back, um, for some reason, like the It Gets Better campaign popped up somewhere on someone's page. And I was remembering that and how it was all people talking about like, I grew up in Ohio, but then I moved to New York and learned that it's okay to be gay. And it's like, like, that's like, so peddled as like the solution. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is peddled as a solution. I think for, for me, for a little while, it was, it yeah. worked. And then you have to kind of do the, the inner work to be just okay with yourself, no matter where you are, who, like, yeah. where you travel or what you do or kind of, you know, and especially like, I don't know being in LA I think uh, yeah I don't know I I prefer New York being even as a queer person but oh yes so my parents are both from East Africa almost uh you know I I I identify like as I guess multi-ethnic multi-racial mixed and um yeah I'm a practicing queer Muslim and uh yeah New York LA Toronto boarding school Oklahoma um I am I I don't speak my parents native tongue which is Swahili and Gujarati um but I speak French (laughs) which is because of because of Canada well I just colonialism or colonialism colonialism, I I think a little bit of colonialism and a little bit of like my own desire like I think actually my parents were feeling bad about and you know look they did the best they could with what they had like they weren't they're not people they're not actually really forceful people like mm-hmm. either yeah. of them are very forceful like so they didn't force us to learn the language and I think they were so like they themselves like imagine being 
a Muslim family in the eighties in Oklahoma, Stillwater, Oklahoma. The the, yeah. the 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 population is very, very small in yeah. that town. It's a small college town. Like mm. they were probably like, oh no, like <laughs> <laughs> they were like, wait. Yeah. So they that didn't sounds rough. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't force us until even early on, like man, I was like, just learn another language. It's a you know, Spanish or French. And I was like, okay, French. And then yeah. I was really young by then. I was like a, you know, elementary school. And then I just kept going all through, um, all through college actually. So oh, by the yeah. by yeah. the time I was in college, I, I was really really had a hold on the language. And then of course, like um, yeah. in a lot of the uh, people that uh, drive cabs and also are in the gig economy for uber and stuff now are mm -hmm. from the south asian diaspora and surrounding i mean there are many different people but mm -hmm. um maybe about like 10 years ago 10 15 years ago it was a lot of like senegalese moroccan like people that yeah. spoke french yeah um in new york so it was like, really easy for me yeah <laughs> i'm dating myself but yeah um, it was really easy for me to like keep speaking it in New York and also in Fort Greene there was an area there was like a community of French speaking French speaking black people in Fort Greene like oh gotcha yeah it, it was really yeah. cool and then um, um in Toronto how much French do you hear actually quite a bit and I'm also starting to hear a little bit of Spanish which is really wonderful but and so, because I taught I taught myself how to speak Spanish like in a very basic basic level because I knew French already when I lived in LA for so many years oh, okay. and because I was working on and off when I first got to in the first five almost seven years when I was in LA basically a majority of the time I was working on and off a lot as a substitute teacher and I taught okay. high school I taught high school for a year and so a lot of the Los Angeles LAUSD um, is students uh, Latinx students that and a lot of them actually there's a kind of a, a big portion i guess of students that come into LAUSD that only speak spanish gotcha yeah so yeah. i was like oh if i'm gonna not be like if i'm gonna have an okay day and also i love to help people like, i'm not right. gonna let these i'm not gonna let these kids just sit there for the whole day because they have a sub like might as well speak to them in their language like yeah. and it's also respectful too mm -hmm. yeah totally you know yeah hello like it's very respectful to be able to uh, to speak to someone in their language and they appreciate that yeah and i i kind of feel that too from even children you know even kids i think they appreciate it more yeah know? yeah totally yeah um yeah just like not feeling so dis having to feel so disengaged um yeah and also school, just like, like knowing that yeah. someone like especially i mean if you're clearly like learning it and working on it like to know that someone cared enough to do that right says something um, yeah i need it yeah. i i took spanish in high school i need to work on my spanish <laughs> yeah, um I should, I yeah i it's it would be really useful in my life um like i'm yeah. working on my arabic because that's also dusty but like i also need to work on my spanish <laughs> i actually I would i would really like to uh, learn i would like to the two languages are swahili and arabic that i want to yeah. speak um yeah. that i want to even be able to ha be able to have like conversate very conversational yeah uh, mm -hmm. and uh so yeah. and arabic are, are pretty close right like they have uh, a lot of there's a lot of like close. loan words i guess maybe they're not structurally yeah. close i think they're very i think they're close exactly in the way in which you say there's like a lot of similar like the you said loan words yeah, yeah like borrowed yeah. 
terms yeah. and slang and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think because the, clearly the, the cultures right. mixed um, yeah. and they still do. And uh, yeah, Arabic goals 2021, 2022. I don't know. My my goal also this year is to just stay alive. And yeah, yeah. Make it, <laughs> yeah. Make it, to make it to New York City and in six months i just want to go yeah i'm oh, itching yeah. and hang out with us right yes i will yeah. yes absolutely because yeah. i mean i go to new york usually i mean every year since i've i've left um i go every twice yeah. a year at least and so this year i haven't gone i mean obviously yeah. so many people are suffering and there are worse things happening in the world but and i'm sad because i didn't go to new york twice but yeah but it's, it's fair. fair you know i think it's, i've lately i've been feeling like we can all like mourn things on different levels like just we can like fully feel things and understand that there are worse things going on but that doesn't mean we have to just like right bottle in our emotions you know mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah i think so i think i think that's i think that's fair and that's legitimate too and yeah um yeah, I I want to tell my uh, Palestinian dates story before we leave. Yes. <laughs> okay, so I was I just wanted to tell the story. I was thinking about it while while you guys were talking. So um, I wanted to go get some. I was, I visited Portugal um, a year and a half ago, maybe um, for the Aga Khan Music Award and. Um, cool. So I was there and uh, I, you know, there's, there's Arab influence in, in Portugal and it was just really wonderful to be there. And also it's a beautiful city. I mean, it's a, you know, whatever the whole of Europe is mired in colonization. We can get really angry, but it was beautiful too. It was beautiful to be in Portugal. Yeah. So I go to this one place. <laughs> Thank you everyone for listening, by the way, to my Palestinian aid story. <laughs> so I go to, and this is just, I don't know, this is just the crux of like, what I, I guess, like what I experience is who I am all the time in every arena and every place I go to. It's always this bullshit. Okay. So, <laughs> so I, I go to this area where there's this market and I, I want some dates and figs and, and dried fruits. And, and I go there and I, I see this guy and he, he's selling like dried fruits. And I'm like, okay. And I, I thought, okay, he's Arab or Portuguese, or I couldn't really tell, you know, sometimes you can't. Yeah. And, you know, so, certainly didn't want to ask, it's not appropriate. So I just, I'm like, this is a guy selling fruit. So I'm like, oh, okay, I want a few dates and some figs and this and that. And he's like, are you from Palestine? <laughs> what? So I go, what? Interesting. I, I go, excuse me? And he goes, yeah, are you from Palestine? And I'm like, are these, are these dates from Palestine as well? Like, are all these... Yeah, you're like, where? Where's the connection? Yeah. Here? Yeah. I was like, I was like, do do you get all this stuff? Like, where's your food from? Where's your food from? Yeah. And he's like, why? Why do you want to know? And I was like, I want to know where this is from. Like, I want to know where I'm supporting. I was like, actually, yeah. where are these where are these fruits from? Are they from Palestine or where are you getting them? Are they from Turkey? Like, yeah. I want to know. And he grabbed them back from me, and he was like, no, they're. <laughs> What? It's- he was like no he, he grabbed them from me and and i was like and i was like what and i stopped for a second and i was like oh and and i and i made the connection and now i'm i made the connection i made the connection of why he was asking me why i was palestinian where the fruits from and why he was mad that i didn't answer and so you as 
and uh, as listeners right now, you can make your own can make your own conclusion. <laughs> Thank you. See, this is why this is why we're the um perfect trio. Yeah, we are. Yeah. <laughs> Friend, the perfect trio is here. Yeah, yeah, you can make your own conclusion. You can come to your own conclusion as to what where this guy then thought it was for or like whatever. It was just the great you guys are so crazy. I had to tell this crazy story. <laughs> That's funny because when you said date, I thought you meant like going on a date, but you meant like the fruit date. <laughs> yeah, I meant like the date. Yeah. Like I, re- I love dates. I love dates. Yeah, me and too. And they're so good. They are. Yeah. And, yeah. and figs and just I love all the these. Yeah, dried food. Yeah. I love all these very Arab and uh, sort of uh, foods. Yeah. But yeah, that's because that's I, <laughs> anyway, I don't yeah, know why. That that's choice. so, no, that's just, yeah. Did you end up buying other dates though? Like, did you get dates? No, that day? I didn't. No, <laughs> that's not fair. There are no other like date options. Date options. No, <laughs> no, it was this guy who was in the middle of the market, and he was the the, the guy. And I was like, oh, oh wow. Yep. God. Yeah, yeah. It's just that's interesting. the bad kind of awkward. It's the bad kind of awkward. Yeah. But I think it's interesting to, ha- and it's an interesting story to see how people especially maybe maybe generational but you know how people see the our world how people see muslim how people see palestinians yeah. how people see borders and how people judge all this stuff and why it's, i think it's important for us as artists to continue to raise our voice mm-hmm. to make our art to be queer and Arab and Muslim and multiracial and multi-ethnic and to really like, you know, I hate to say like shout at the top of our lungs, but it, it's necessary if this kind of thing is happening mm-hmm. with, the, with some freaking figs, like, you, you know, it's like, it's beyond. Yeah. You know? The, yeah, all your cousins is really important because of that. Like, yeah. I know it sounds silly, but it's like, because of that, because yeah. it's a voice and, and people hear that song and people will go back and look at me and then see, you know, my Twitter bio or whatever. And there's like an Arabic, the Arabic, you know, script of my name or, you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. it's important for people like, oh, this is a person from this background that's making this kind of music. And right. so, it's yeah. claiming the space you deserve. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, where can, actually speaking of, where can people find you online, follow you? Yes, yeah. uh, Twitter, and also if you're into Facebook, it's at I am Tasneem. That's I A M as in music, Tasneem T A S N E E M, and then on Instagram, I'm at Last Mango in Paris. Oh. <laughs> Cute, love it. <laughs> well, I will follow you as well. Yeah. Is there a story behind the mango? I love Paris, and mm-hmm. there was this poet, this British poet, years and years and years ago, and my friend introduced me to uh, him, and he, at the time, he was like, he had, it was his email address, and I was like, oh. this is really cool. I Can like I- that. And it was his email address, and I was like, I'm going to use this for Instagram. Is that okay? And yeah. then I never saw this person again like i never saw them online i never saw them anywhere. weird yeah i was like is that okay if i use this, this is great like i'm obsessed with mangoes and i'm obsessed with paris like it really works for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um yeah 
uh, so it was this British poet, and that was his email address. I love and that. So I don't know. Apology? Did I steal it? Um, I asked. I mean, you asked if they're listening. If they're listening, if you want to come back and cease and desist me, <laughs> I'm, I'm open. I'm open to change. Although I love it because I am obsessed with mangoes, and I am obsessed. Mangoes with are great. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I love Paris too, even though it's kind of racist. Yeah. It is, mm. yeah, but yeah. it's it's pretty too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Thank you so much for coming yeah. on. This is really, you are so cool. You're so ah, easy to you're easy to connect with. Like right off the bat, it's. I I hope we can hang out. Yeah. Um. I yes. hope we can come to New York, and. Yeah, I will be in New York. No, it's not a thing. Um, okay. actually, Toronto to New York is very close, but we shall connect. And uh, yes. everyone listening, thank you for listening and hanging out with us. Yeah. And um, yeah, and also you know follow all of us on yeah. socials because it makes us feel good. It does. Do it. <laughs> Find us at the Queer Arrows on Insta, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, and email us at thequeerarabs at gmail.com if you want to if you want to chat yeah. and oh and our website is thequeerarabs.com oh, okay. <laughs> I never do the outro so I forget stuff